0: sermon series that I love. It's called How to Read the Bible. And, uh, well, there it is right there. So sometimes technology works. I'm prepared to do hand puppets if the slides fail again. So just stand by for that. But to let you know where we've been and where we're going, uh, we're on week number three of the series. If at any time you want to go back and catch something that you didn't see, we have it on Facebook, we have it on YouTube, and we have it on our website, wordserv.org sermons. And you can catch all of it right there. Uh, Today, we're talking about the book that breathes. Next week, we'll be talking about the book that lives. When it comes to reading the Bible, uh, like I said at the start of the service, uh, it's a fair question to ask Bill, why do you read the Bible? Well, uh, a few reasons that I read the Bible. That started very young for me. My mother was the children's choir director at the Methodist Church in town, which meant, and and, by the way, she was very good friends with the children's Sunday school director, So that meant that anytime the choir sang, the Hogan boys were there. And anytime there was a Bible study or anything to be done, the Hogan boys were there. That's how that all started. So later on in life, somewhere I began to recognize that, hey, you know, there's there's something to this. There's a wisdom here. There's something this world can't offer. And there's a way of living that is different than anything I've ever experienced. And it became very real to me, but later, in my adult life. It it took a few things to get to that stage. And I wouldn't say that I'm perfect there yet. I'm still working on it. But what I have come to recognize is there is no book like this one. There is no book that is a way of life that changes you, that changes your family, that changes your environment, that changes the world. And it is a book that breathes. And I'm going to explain what that means in just a second. But first I want to ask you why do you read the Bible? Any suggestions? Guidance. Better. Know God God better. That's a great one. Yeah. He speaks to us through these pages. Anybody else? Why do you read the Bible? Closer to Jesus. That is a great place to be. No matter where he is, even if he's in the storm, I want to be right next to him. That's the best place to be. And security. Yes. Security, peace, deep sense. What? You mean the news doesn't have all good stuff? <laughs> exactly. So you, you have many reasons that you read the Bible. And uh, there are, uh, unfortunately, a lot of people that don't read the Bible, but I, I have a theory on that. And here's my theory. How many of you met this lady? Bible drill lady. No? No? Okay. So, <laughs> right? So if you're not familiar with Bible drills, Bible drills look like this. You get a bunch of elementary age kids around, you hand them the Bible, and you go, who can find 1 Kings chapter 15? And whoever holds their hand up gets the treat of the day, right? And, and you keep going like that. Now, I have to put a caveat out here. I am not making fun of kids' education in Sunday school. And I'm not even saying that Bible drill is a bad thing. What I am saying some point we have to go beyond a kid level of understanding of this book what do i mean by that well let's see i want to make a change in the world the fact that i know that galatians comes before ephesians is going to rock the world no it's not nobody cares right now the fact that galatians comes before ephesians helped me study the bible and if i want to find something that's great or then you get into, maybe not just Bible drills, but you get into simple factual information. Like, uh, they, they would throw out these quiz questions, and maybe this is just my personal trauma, but uh, they would throw out these quiz, quiz questions like, what was the name of Moses' brother? Aaron, right? Yeah, so uh, never in my life has anybody come to me and said, Bill, I'm really struggling. I'm, I'm determined to mess up your sound system. Bill, I'm really struggling. I just don't know what to do. My marriage is in shambles. I don't have a sense of peace. And I'm not following Jesus. And I say back to them, man, I hear you. It sounds really hard, but did you know that Moses' brother's name is Aaron? (laughs) Who cares? At that point, who cares, right? So what I'm saying is, and again, I'm not making fun of kids. How many educators out there I know about Bloom's taxonomy, the different levels of knowledge. You start with information. Those are building blocks. There is nothing wrong with that for kids. In fact, I highly encourage it. But at some point, we've got to get beyond basic building blocks. We've got to get up into the application of the knowledge. Not just what I know, but how do I do this? The Bible isn't something we know. It's something we know and do. That's the difference. And so a lot of people, I'm convinced, uh, don't read their Bibles. Because they never had that understanding that it just goes beyond the factual level. If this is only fact to us, then it is not a living, breathing book. It's just a thing. And it probably sits on the shelf. And it probably gathers dust, like most everybody else. So we have to be able to make that change. We have to basically grow up in our understanding. We have to go beyond information to application. We have to go beyond application to evaluation and synthesis. In other words, this becomes a way of life. Not just something I read. Information. So, how do we do that? Well, we're going to go to the words of Paul. Paul wrote a lot, and he is writing to a protege, someone that he's mentoring named Timothy. So, we're going to read out of 2nd Timothy if you're uh, playing along in the home game today. It's in the very, almost very back of the Bible. It's about that far back. Uh, who am I kidding? You guys are doing apps. You don't care how far back it is. All right. 2nd <laughs> Timothy, he's writing to this young protege. And the situation is, uh, Timothy is encountering a lot of people that, uh, while Paul has uh, planted many many uh, churches, other people are coming along and they're kind of messing with the doctrine. right? They're like, okay, uh, I I agree with 90% of what you're saying, but this other 10% I'm going to insert. Some of it's from the world, some of it's from previous uh, experience in the Jewish religion, but there's a problem with doctrine starting to waver. And so this is Paul's encouragement to Timothy. And this is what he says in 2 Timothy uh, what is that? 6? Uh, it's up there. 16 through 17. <laughs> Alright, this is Paul. All Scripture is God-breathed is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that all God's people may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. These are the words of God. Therefore, for the people of God, for these words I am grateful. So basically, let's, get to, let's cut to the chase. Let's go to the end and, and get to where we're headed, and then we'll back up. So here's what I want to focus on, that we are thoroughly equipped for what? For every good work. Now work sounds like application. I can't do work with information only. I have to actually do something. Right? So this is where I'm getting at. We can't just read these pages and go, oh, that's lovely. No. It, it, how do I apply? what's in here, And that's basically what Paul is saying. All of these things, all of Scripture is designed to equip us for good work. Now, will it give you every specific answer that you have? Probably not. But, but it will give you principles. It will give you tools that you can use. It's up to us then to apply them. And it's best, by the way, not to do that alone, but more on that in a moment. So, thoroughly equipped for every good work. We're going to go back and we're going to concentrate on four words teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. How many people enjoy a good rebuke? Yeah, stand by. All right. (laughs) So basically, what this breaks down to, we're going to break down this verse into know and do. That's K N O W, not N O, like most of your parents are used to hearing. All right, so knowing. Wow, that looked a lot bigger when I put it on my screen. Anyway, uh, so we're going to break the two words into these four words into these two categories. On the no side, we're going to talk about teaching and rebuking. Teaching is pretty straightforward. We understand this in our modern mindset because we have teachers. The purpose of teaching is to educate someone. And and we can do that in more than just information. So the best example I think I can give is Jesus and his disciples. That was a three-year education. That was a three-year PhD in the Word. Was it it ever in a classroom? No. No. Uh, In fact, most of it was out in the middle, in the midst of life. And it applied to life situations. That's the best kind, I think, for Jesus' followers, is that we take what we learn, and we put it into the real world, and then we come back, and we compare it to what we learned here, and we take it back into the real world. There's a cycle, almost like, I don't know, breathing, right? In and out. So, teaching, developing mind, and here's the difference, morals. had a good moral education growing up? About 50% of you. So there's 50% I'm going to be suspect on when the offering is taken. (laughs) Alright. Of those people that had a good moral education, did that happen in the public school system? Did that happen in your family? Did it happen in church? So you see where I'm going. Here's the challenge, and, and I understand... People are all upset and there's legislation about what you can and can't say in schools, but that shouldn't stop us as families and that sh- will not stop us as a church because this needs to get out. I'm gonna use an example that I used yesterday in the parenting class because uh, only one of you was here. So this might work. I want you to, to tell me, would you like your kid to join the organization that I'm about to describe? Here's the organization. They're the best at what they do. They're extremely dedicated. They're bright and intelligent, and they're very persistent, and they take care of each other. Would you want your child to join a group like that? Awesome. Your child just joined Al-Qaeda. They're very good at what they do. They're persistent. They take care of each other. They're They're known around the world. So what's the problem? It's the morals. What are they founded on? That's what's missing. So we can be the brightest, most intelligent people in the world, but if we're not grounded in the right morals. We're creating monsters, not disciples. So this moral education is absolutely key. I'm convinced through the way that we go forward as Jesus follows. We have to ground our principles in the right thing first, and then develop the mind. All right, rebuking. <laughs> Here's a good one. Rebuking, that's just a word that we don't really use much anymore, but it's uh, exposing wrong thinking. Now, here's the thing about a rebuke. There's actually, I I looked this, I Googled this. There's a checklist for rebuking. If you want that, I'll I'll be happy to forward that to you. But here's the way this rebuke goes. It's done with the right motive. And the right motive, what do you think it is? Jesus is a person, but his motive is but his, his base desire is love, it's done out of love. Yeah, you're, you're all correct, but his motivation, his prime motivation is out of love. In other words, I'm helping correct wrong thinking, not because I wanna make you feel bad, not because I wanna feel superior, but because I love you, and I, I see this, and I see something different, and I, I want to try to bring these two together. So exposing wrong thinking. Uh, think about a famous rebuke that you can think of with Jesus and the disciples, um, because, We have this image of Jesus that he's like the the flower hippie child and uh, loves everybody, but he did some rebuking. You remember any? That's my favorite one. What was the situation when he said, get behind me, Satan? What had Peter just said? He was basically saying, hey, you don't need to go to the cross. We'll never let that happen. And I wonder if in that moment, Jesus had a flashback to the temptation and Satan in the desert saying, oh, I'll give you all these kingdoms. You don't have to go through that suffering get behind me satan that is wrong thinking because if i don't do this (laughs) you're doomed and by the way so are we that's jesus correcting wrong thinking did jesus hate peter did jesus want to feel superior to peter no jesus loved peter probably more than he should have (laughs) because peter was a knucklehead we know this right but he loved peter he wanted him to think correctly and it was important that jesus get that right that's an example of a rebuke. Now, Proverbs 27 has some words about this uh, that helps us put this in uh, context that we can use. It says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Ever been wounded by a friend? Yeah, I have. Have you ever been wounded by a friend and about 48 hours later go, darn it, they're right. That's, that's a rebuke, Right? Someone that spoke the truth in love because of the best interest. Now, here at WordServe, we, we have a phrase for this. It's called loving accountability. And we have loving in front of it to remind us that the primary motive in anything that we do is out of love. Not spite, not hate, not a desire to shame or guilt. But here's the other thing that we do at WordServe. We give each other permission. And if you don't give permission, let's, let's build that bridge of relationship first. And then i'll give you permission to to rebuke me because yeah if it's if it's a knucklehead thing let's just say this let me back up i'm different i'm your pastor if you see me doing something knuckleheaded rebuke me all right that's my deal with you you can say it at any time because i can ignore anyone i uh, (laughs) i'm very good at ignoring people just ask ronna no (laughs) but seriously uh, tell me if i'm wrong Now. In your day-to-day relationships, this is something that we need to work on because it can come across wrong. The motive has to be love, and the goal has to be to line up the wrong thinking. And how do I know what's wrong and what's right? I'm holding it in my hand, right? The creator of the universe inspired people throughout history to write down some moral guidance. Now, the flip side, and I know you're going to have this argument or you're going to hear it, Yeah, but Bill, there's all kinds of nasty stuff in that Bible. People did really crazy things. We're talking murder and all kinds of stuff. I say, yeah, that's right. Because you can learn from the bad as well as the good. In fact, the reason that I trust this so much is that he doesn't hold anything back. You see the the very best of humanity. You see the very worst of humanity. Jesus tells us, hey, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have trouble. I trust a guy that says that what i don't trust is the used car salesman that say hey just sign up life's going to be rosy no problems ever is that true no it's not true but because he tells it like it is i trust that he is telling me the truth and because he puts it all in the bible and shows us all of humanity we can learn from the bad and the good i trust that more than someone who tries to spin and only give me one side of the story does that make sense so friends Rebuke in love, and sometimes it hurts. But we have to be mature enough to step back and objectively look at what they're saying. Is it true? All right, that's the the no side. Let's go to the do side. Doing is the action part, and correction, just think about uh, a coach, right? When they correct your swing or your swing or your swing or your. You get the idea, right? So whatever sport that you're doing or whatever thing that you're actively doing, it's like a coach correcting your form. So if we go out and we do in the world, that's the one thing I love about the way WordServe operates because of our strategy. We go out and we do in the world and then we come back and we have a thing called community groups where we can talk about and we can debrief. And we can say, hey, I tried this thing in the Bible and it didn't work for me. What do you guys think? What did I do wrong? How could I do better next time? This is application, this is correction, and it doesn't have to be a bad thing. I mean, if, if you were off course, wouldn't you want someone to tell you the, the nudge to get back on course? I don't know, maybe you like the four-wheeling, I, I don't. Uh, training, and, and this is, when you see it, you can't unsee it, right? It's like, duh. Well, training means doing. You have to be doing something to be training. So again, it's not just what we know, it's what we do. It's how we live. That's the training part, and it's the practice doing, but practice doing what? Practicing doing life like Jesus. If we're gonna call ourselves Jesus followers, we should probably follow Jesus. That's an action, that's a lifestyle. And here's the bottom line of all of this. Right thinking will produce right action. Uh, suffice it to say that our our thoughts will produce actions, then right thinking must produce right action. Just like wrong thinking produces wrong action. And if you don't believe me, I'm gonna take an example out of your life right now. How many people have ever had a kid uh, that did something totally knuckleheaded and you look at them and you shake your head and go, what were you thinking? Not doing, what were you thinking? Because thinking led to the action. Right? Wrong thinking, wrong action, but right thinking, right? I see a lot of chuckles out there. There's, there you have used this question. I know. The right thinking leads to right action. That's the bottom line of all of this. Now, <clears throat> WordServe community groups are a great place to do this because you get a chance to explore. You get a chance to go out and come back. You get a chance to analyze. There, um, for you educators out there, I'm talking about these higher levels of, of knowledge now. That's what's gonna make us uh, impact the world around us, not knowing that Moses' brother is named Aaron, right? That's just not gonna do much for us. So, now that we've backed up all the way into the God breathe part, we've, we've talked about knowing, we've talked about doing, we've talked about the fact that right action produces, uh, or right thinking produces the right action. But can I trust this? Well, let me just offer a few ideas when Paul says God breathed, we've we've talked about that idea of breath before. Breath can also mean spirit. Breath can mean the spirit of God. And the spirit of God has inspired individuals to write. Are these individuals perfect? (laughs) Have you read this thing? No. But is God perfect? Yes. And if God inspires, you can see God's voice, hear God's voice through the words that they write. That's one thing that gives me confidence, that there is a golden thread. And if you spend enough time in this you'll begin to see the golden thread that weaves its way all the way through it is amazing it is the greatest story ever told literally that's one thing so the god breathed means spirit inspired but here's here's the kicker for me i call myself a jesus follower, and as i mentioned in one of the er earlier sermons one of the main filters i use when i come across something that i'm trying to determine if it's in the bible if it's right if it's something i should be doing is what does jesus say or do about that what did Jesus think about Scripture? Well, he was a big fan. In fact, he was the Word. I can see that like you know, a, a rookie playing card or the, the, the nickname. And now in this corner, Jesus, the Word, Christ, right? That, this is who he was. So, that's, I don't know where that came from. Uh, so, Jesus, in the temptations in the desert, in the wilderness, as Satan tempts him, what does he rely on? We mentioned this last week. He relies on scripture, and if Jesus trusts scripture then help him do the right thing, I think I'm gonna do that too, if I wanna be a Jesus follower. That's the way this whole thing works, pretty sure. But can I trust it? How then, if you, if you trust it, if you buy knowing and doing, how do I get to that point where I'm actually applying? I don't wanna just read for information anymore. How do I apply this bill? But right, here's one idea, and you can go online and Google downloadable SOAP study. SOAP stands for scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And it literally, it, you just open up a notebook and you write out those letters, you pick a scripture and you write it down. And you say, Bill, that takes too long. And that's my point. So often our Bible studies look like we flip out the phone, I'm on the daily thing, I look at it, boom, I'm gone. But if you have to take the time to write it out, you are thinking, you're marinating, it is soaking, right? Let the scripture soak in. And then it's observation. What do you observe about that text? And here's the cool thing, and, and again, you think I'm trying to sell you on community groups. I am. But here's the cool thing. When everybody does that, they read that scripture and they make their own observations, everybody comes at that from a different angle, from different life experiences. And when you come together and talk about that, you get wide perspectives, things I've never thought about. My observations are different than your observations. Does that make mine right and yours wrong? Sometimes, but not (laughs) all the time. That's when we go back to rebuking, right? So observations. Then finally, here's the big one. Application. What do I do with what I've learned? How do I apply this in my life? And if you can't think of it, that's another great thing for community groups. Okay, we're learning this. What does that mean? How does that change the way we live? And then the final step is prayer. And, and the prayer is not like uh, god please take care of my cat it's uh, god i want to know how to apply this will you open my eyes to situations that you place me in this week that allows me to try this principle in my life will you show me where this is already at work will you show me where you're calling me and i'm resisting will you open the doors so that i can apply the scripture and be careful what you pray for i've told you this a million times It doesn't always look like you expect. Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's messy. Sometimes it's worldly. But that's exactly what Jesus jumped into and what he taught his disciples. And if we are Jesus' followers, we should follow Jesus. That's the way it works. So think about all of these principles as a a toolbox. If I, if I had a toolbox and, and I had all the principles in here in it, I would have to, one, know the tools, and then I would have to, two, know how to use those tools. Imagine calling a repairman, uh, let's say the, the AC or heater breaks, it's heated this morning, the heater breaks. Guy comes in with a big old toolbox, sets it down. All right, you gonna fix that? No, uh, I, I just carry this thing around. I don't know how to use it, I don't even know what's in it. <laughs> I can't help you, then why did I call you, right? If we're going to make a difference in this world as disciples of Christ, we've got to know what's in the toolbox, and we've got to know how to use the tools. But I think for many of us, we're still stuck at that. It's something that's drudgery that I have to read, or it's Bible drill information only, and we've never gotten to application. I think many reasons why we end up like this. In fact, I would say in the North American church, when it comes to reading the Bible, we would rather know than do. Because doing's hard. But word serve, here's my challenge to us in 2023. What if, what might happen if we decided to know, comma, than do? We would rather know than do, but what if we switched the language? What if we changed the grammar and said, no, comma, than do? Well, I'll tell you what would happen. Right thinking would lead to right action. Right action will change the world. That's the world I want to live in. That's the world I want my kids, my grandkids to live in. That's the world that is possible when we know Hama then do. Let it be so, Lord sir. and let it begin with us. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word that is inspired, that is God-breathed. God, I pray that you would help us to lean into that word, to absorb it, to marinate in it, to soak on it day and night, just like the psalmist said, so that it becomes a very part of who we are. It becomes a part of how we are, how we interact with the world. God, I'm grateful for the many people that (laughs) took great pains to record this, sometimes at the cost of their life. God, help us to never take for granted what we hold in our hands. I think around the world, so many countries that don't even have access to a Bible is outlawed or that we put to death for having it. And yet we have 12 on our shelf gathering dust. God, enliven us. Put it in our hearts. Inspire us with that same spirit that wrote these words. to want to know more. Not information, but how to live it out. How to apply this in the world.